Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, folks. This is Michael Adams again. Uh, nothing but the truth. I'm going to do a reading from uh, ChristianityBeliefs.org and Times Deceptions. Hold on here. Let me clear my throat again. Okay. Um, I believe I've read this before in a previous show. Uh, my research on this particular subject. I still can't find anybody who's done a better job of doing an article online than uh, Dave Nikeo of ChristianityBeliefs.org and Time Deceptions. And so I'm going to read it again. I probably uh, have read it. But if I did read it, which I'm pretty sure I did. I've done so many shows now kind of forget what I've done in the past already, <laughs> but um, it would be under a different title, and I'm, I'm sure it was an article that was wedged in between other articles, but I'm going to read this one. It's called, A Third Rebuilt Temple in Jerusalem is Not Biblical, and uh, I feel that it's very important at this day and time to reiterate the importance of understanding that what we see over in Jerusalem in the Middle East is not biblical, but is a creation of, of uh, the papacy in Rome and the uh, Zionist Freemasonry. <clears throat> and that uh, we need to be on guard about this, aware of this, and not to be deceived by this spectacle, if you will, um, the show that you will be witnessing. So I'm going to read this article, and I hope that it will prove the point. I might read an additional article afterwards, depending. Okay. This end-time discussion Bible study will show that there is no scriptural need for a rebuilt third temple in Jerusalem. Prophecy teachers refer to these passages as justifying their explanation for a future third temple in Jerusalem. Since these deceptions are from the enemy, they create events in Israel to make it seem like they are going to build a third temple. And they very well might. And I'm sure um, the papacy and uh, the New World Order, the Jesuits, uh, get their way. It will happen. But the Bible passages that these teachers are referring to have nothing to do with the end times or a third temple in Jerusalem. Daniel 9. Futurists claim that Daniel 9, 26-27 foretells an end times antichrist who will make a seven-year 
peace, excuse me, peace treaty with Israel, the 70th week of Daniel, which we have said over and over again on the show was fulfilled uh, by our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, when he was here almost 2,000 years ago. And that week finished with the stoning of Stephen. So the peace agreement would supposedly allow the temple sacrifices to take place. And after three and a half years, the Antichrist will supposedly be, supposedly desecrate the temple to start the three and a half years of great tribulation. But the 70th week of Daniel was fulfilled on time after the 90th week. Go figure. There you go, Dave. By the way, I want to say something. Dave has been very good with me in my uh, asking seemingly childish and simplistic questions. I wish he would come on the show, but he's not really one of those who likes to be on shows talking. He's more of a, a man who writes articles and He's more of a writer, and I understand why he does that, uh, because it's easier to get your message across. It's there. It's on paper for people to see. And um, then there's also still other things that we are learning, because none of us have all the answers. But David's done a really good job of doing his research, and I'm very confident in what he has to say. So, The covenant is not an end times peace agreement with the modern state of Israel, it is Jesus' everlasting new covenant, which was offered to the Jews first for seven years. Here is a Bible study that proves that it was Jesus' new covenant. So yeah, if you go to this, um, you know, uh, ChristianityBeliefs.org, End Times Deception, you go through the Bible studies, uh, you can find that there. Um, and I will uh, try to skip those here's this and that, okay? The, unless it's really relevant. And most time it is so. Uh, the people of the prince is not referring to the end times Antichrist, but it was fulfilled by Roman Prince Titus, who desolated the Jerusalem and the temple and the Jews in 70 A.D., and once again, he has very good articles on that. The seven weeks of Daniel prophecy only speaks about the rebuilding of the second temple and never speaks about a third temple. Okay. It speaks about the coming of the Messiah and never speaks about the end times Antichrist. It gives a seven-week time frame and never speaks about a 1,000... 987 plus year time gap between the 69th and 70th week. Inserting those things into the prophecy is an abuse of scripture as they are out of context with God's word. The concept of futures of 70th week of Daniel and a one-man antichrist is the creation of the Jesuits in the 16th century as they sought to deflect blame about uh, from the Roman Catholic Church as the Antichrist beast of Revelation, the little horn of Daniel, and the office of, of papacy, the son of perdition. 
Second Thessalonians two, the futurists uh, claim that Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians two, Paul is speaking about an end times antichrist who will sit in a temple in Jerusalem and proclaim to be God. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who poses and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So what does Paul mean? Keep in mind that when the Apostle Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3-4, the Jewish temple was still standing, as it wasn't destroyed by the Romans until 70 AD. So any reference to a physical temple would have been to that temple and not to an end times temple. To understand that, let's look at how Jesus defined the word temple. And John 2, verses 14, Jesus spoke of the physical temple. The Greek word for the physical temple is Herion, uh, or Heron. Um, and that's H-I-E-R-O-N, and that H-E-R-O-N, like Heron. <clears throat> okay. He found in the temple those who sold ox and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. Then, just five verses later in John 2, 19 through 20, Jesus spoke of the spiritual temple. The Greek word for the spiritual temple is naos. That's N-A-O-S. Jesus answered said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Whenever Paul used the word naos, he applied it to followers of, Christ, of Jesus, the Christian church, which is a literal temple, but not of physical buildings. And amen to that. Paul is saying that the son of perdition would sit in the temple of God, that is, in the midst of the Christian church. Instead of being an infidel who doesn't believe in God, like so many pastors teach, the Antichrist does not reign outside of the church, but in the very bosom of the church. Paul places the son of perdition nowhere else than in the very sanctuary of God. The Pope sits, and in brackets, assumes a position of authority as God in the temple of God, proclaiming to be the leader of all Christians. The Pope is called the vicar of Christ, which means substitute for Christ. He proclaims to forgive sins. He proclaims that salvation is only available through the Roman Catholic Church. He preaches a message of salvation by works instead of through the blood of Jesus. Then he also has a study on the meaning of the temple in 2 Thessalonians 2. Uh, Revelations 11. Futures claim that John is speaking about a physical temple when he says to measure the temple and to designate 
the Gentiles um, into the outer court. When I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple, or in brackets, nails of God, the altar, those who worship there, Revelations 11.1. 1. The reed, like a measuring rod, is the word of God, the little book of Revelations 10, which makes a heck of a lot of sense to me. <clears throat> the Greek for reed or rod is canon, uh, which is K-A-N-O-N, equals canon of the Holy Scriptures. Canon is also translated as rule or measuring rod. God was telling Martin Luther, a Catholic monk, to use the word of God to determine who was the true church, the temple of God, and who was the false church. When Martin Luther and others measured the teachings of the Catholic church against the word of God, they were able to see that it is a, it is a false church. And then he has a Bible study explains the fulfillment of Revelation 11 and the two witnesses. Ezekiel 40. The, the temple of Ezekiel envisioned has been fulfilled in the true temple of God, one that is not made with human hands. And this is Acts 17.24. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Paul told us that we are the temple of God. And this would be Ephesians 2, 19-22. And now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.17 Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Okay, 2 Corinthians 6.16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. John drives the point home when Jesus proclaimed that the people who overcome will be a pillar in the temple of God. Uh, Revelation 3.12 He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. 
and I will write on him my new name. Okay. And end times rebuilt Jewish temple with bloody sacrifices would be blasphemous. Amen to that. Jesus is our high priest whose blood atoned for all our sins by his sacrifice. If they ever do rebuild a temple in Jerusalem and restart bloody sacrifices, it will be a denial of Jesus Christ's sacrifice and a blasphemy to God. Such a temple could never be called the temple of God. And I agree with that. Very short article and straight to the point. And I really like that. Let's see. Maybe a related study is Antichrist in the Temple Deception. So this is a different article from David. Um, Antichrist in the Temple Deception. Once again, from ChristianityBelief.org, End Times Deception. In this End Times Prophecy study, we will focus on the Temple in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 4 which many pastors say is a future rebuilt Jewish temple where the Antichrist will proclaim to be God. What you will learn is that the Antichrist system is already seated in the temple of God and proclaiming to be God. And that would be the papacy. If you've read the Beast of Daniel and Revelation study, then you'll know that the Roman Catholic Church is the Antichrist beast of Revelations, the little horn of Daniel, and the prophet is the, or excuse me, the Pope, not the prophet, the, po the Pope is the son of perdition. If you've read the 70th week of Daniel study, then you know that the foundation for the seven-year tribulation period and the need for a rebuilt Jewish temple is invalid. Keep in mind that when the Apostle Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3-4, through 4, the Jewish temple was still standing, as it wasn't destroyed by the Romans until 70 AD. So any reference to, phys to a physical temple would have been to that temple and not to the end times temple. Uh, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall come... For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who poses and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worshipped, so that he sitteth as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So what does Paul mean? Once again, we'll go over this. And I don't see any problem with being redundant. It might be annoying to those who listen. But, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I need this redundancy. To understand that, let's look at how Jesus defined the word temple. In John 2.14, Jesus spoke of the physical temple. The Greek word of the physical temple is Hiron. He, he found the temple those who sold ox, sheep, and doves, and money changers doing business. Then just five verses later, in John 2, 19-20, she spoke of the spiritual temple. And the Greek word for the spiritual temple is naos. Jesus answered said to them, Destroy this temple in three days, I will rise it up. But he was speaking of the, temp of the temple of his body. Whenever Paul used the word naos, 
he applied it to the followers of Jesus, the Christian church, which is a literal temple, but not a, which is a which is a literal temple, and not but not a physical temple. Excuse me. First Corinthians three sixteen through seventeen. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? And then uh, it's a repeat of all the, the verses that we read earlier, like 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Uh, do you not know that your body is the temple of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. 2 Corinthians 6.16 And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Ephesians 2.19-22 And now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the holy house of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The spirit temple is made up of followers of Jesus and Christians. In Second Thessalonians 2, verses 2, 4, verses 2 through 4, where, God, where Paul is telling us about the son of perdition, he again uses the Greek word nails. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling way first, and that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and, and, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple, Naos, of God, showing himself that he is God. Paul is saying that the son of perdition would sit in the temple of God, that is, in the Christian church. Paul is telling us that he would pretend to be Christ in order to deceive the world, which lines up directly with the Roman Catholic Church, and the Pope, who pretends to be Christian. Instead of being an infidel who does not believe in God, like so many pastors teach, the Antichrist does not reign outside of the Church, but in the very bosom of the Church. Pope Innocent III declared, We may, according to the fullness of our power, dispose of the law and dispense above the law. Those who whom the Pope of Rome does separate, it is not a man that separates them but God. For the Pope holdeth place on earth, not simply of a man, but of the true God. Pope Pius V, blessing that the Pope and God are the same, so he has all power in heaven and earth. Pope, Paul, Pope John Paul II said, Don't go to God for forgiveness of sins. Come to me. Pope Francis I said, You can't find Jesus outside of the church. Paul places the son of perdition nowhere else 
in the very sanctuary of God. The Pope sits, assumes the position of authority as God in the temple of God. The Pope is called the vicar of Christ, which means substitute of Christ. He proclaims to forgive sins. He proclaims that salvation is only available through the Roman Catholic Church. He preaches the message of salvation by works instead of through the blood of Jesus. The Pope of the Antichrist Roman Catholic Church misleads 1.2 billion Catholics into believing that salvation is through them and not Jesus Christ. And the Jesuits of the Roman Catholic Church are pushing the world into a new world order where they will cause everyone in the world to worship them or die. The end times rebuilt Jewish temple with bloody sacrifices would be blasphemous. Jesus is our high priest whose blood atoned for all of our sins by his sacrifice. If they ever do rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and restart the bloody sacrifice, it will be a denial of Jesus Christ's sacrifice and a blasphemy to God. Such a temple could never be called the temple of God. And I know I'm being redundant, but you know what? I think we need it. Because I keep on hearing, you know... Well, let me rephrase that. I know for myself, I need to hear this redundancy. So it sinks deep in me. Okay. Paul prophet prophetic words in Second Thessalonians tells us that the Antichrist, son of perdition, would usurp the authority of Jesus Christ by assuming an unauthorized position of power inside the Christian church. The reason for this deception is to get Christians looking forward to a one-man antichrist in the supposed three, or excuse me, seven, <laughs> the seven-year tribulation period, instead of looking back and realizing that the antichrist Roman Catholic Church has been seated in the temple of God for many years. And that's a, an understatement. <clears throat> because, you know, if you do any serious research, you're going to realize that mm, it's been known for, what, 1,600 years? I don't know, 1,500 years, something like that? Maybe longer. Many pastors teach that the abomination of desolation will take place in a rebuilt Jewish temple. And um, to find out the truth, click on abomination of desolation deception. This end-time deception study will focus on the abomination of desolation that so many teachers incorrectly attribute to the end-time antichrist desecrating the Jewish temple. When people do not understand how the prophecy has been fulfilled, they speculate that it must occur in the future. The seven weeks of Daniel deception study disproves the concept of the seven-year tribulation, the seven-year peace agreement with Israel, the need for a rebuilt temple where the Antichrist would supposedly com commits the abomination desolation. Let's look at scripture to see how the prophecy of the abomination desolation has already been fulfilled. The context of Jesus' uh, Olivet discourse, discourse was about the pending desolation of Jerusalem and the Jews and not about the end times. And Luke, and Luke 19, 41-44, Jesus and his disciples disciples approached Jerusalem and he told them that the Jews 
enemies would surround them and level them in the temple. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. The 70 weeks of Daniel prophecy told the Jews the exact year that their Messiah would come, but because they did not understand the prophecy or basically rejected it, and then rejected Jesus, so he told them that their enemy, the Romans, would surround them and level them. In Matthew 23, Jesus condemned the scribes and Pharisees and told them that all the righteous blood they had shed would come on them. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murder the prophets. Fill up then and measure of your father's guilt, serpents, brutes, a viper, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechia, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was leaving the temple for the last time, and he called it your house. It was once the Lord's temple, God's own house, but now he says, your temple or house, to intimate that God had abandoned it. Because the Jews killed the prophets, Jesus the Messiah and his disciples, they were forsaken and sentenced to utter destruction. In Luke 21.6, Jesus was leaving Jerusalem, and as he looked back upon the temple he said these things which you see the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down they went to the Mount of Olives and the disciples asked him when that would happen their questions were recorded in three of the Gospels and Matthew 24 3 tell us 
when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Mark 13, 2, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Luke 21, 7, teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? <clears throat> they, asked, they were asking Jesus when the coming destruction of the temple would take place, and what sign would excuse me, what sign should they look for before the desolation of Jerusalem and the Jews? The Lord's purpose in this discourse was not to give his people signs of his second coming, but to warn the generation of believers of the approaching destruction of Jerusalem and to give them a sure sign so that they could secure their safety by fleeing the land and city. Matthew 24, verses 15 and 16. Therefore, when ye see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 13, 14. So when ye see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Luke 21, verses 20 and 22. But when ye see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, so those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. Matthew and Mark recorded similar words, but Luke gave us more details which define what the sign of the abomination. Okay, what is the sign of the abomination? The word rendered abomination means, according to the Hebrew and Greek lexicon, anything that is peculiarly loathsome, loathsome or detestable. The abomination was the detestable, detestable enemies of the Jews, the Romans, who would surround Jerusalem and stand in the Holy Land to make a place of desolation. Luke 21, verse 24, confirms that this section of Jesus' Olivet Discourse would be fulfilled in 70 AD, not in the end times. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be laid away, led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles Gentiles are fulfilled. These verses cannot be applied to an end times antichrist desecrating a rebuilt Jewish temple as they refer to the Gentiles trampling Jerusalem, which has occurred since Jerusalem was desolated by the Rome, by Roman armies in 70 AD. Jesus was referring to the 70th week of Daniel prophecy, which foretold the destruction of Jerusalem by the people of the prince. 
when the Jews were about to be released from their captivity in Babylon, God gave them 70 prophetic weeks, 490 years to repent. <clears throat> to re re reconcile with him, to rebuild the temple and the city, and to accept their coming Messiah. It is told, it told the Jews that their Messiah would come during the 70th week of Daniel, which started in 27 AD, the very year when Jesus was baptized and anointed. Jesus preached the gospel to the house of Israel for three and a half years, offering them a new covenant. Those that accepted the Messiah and his new covenant were saved. Those that rejected the Messiah were desolated. The people of the prince in Daniel 9:26 was the Roman army that Jesus sent, who poured into the city as a flood in 70 A.D. And yes, you heard that Jesus sent it, sent that army. The people of the prince shall come. Excuse me. The people of the police prince. <laughs> that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolation are determined. So the prince of the 70th week of Daniel is not an end times antichrist. It was Jesus, the prince, who was mentioned in the previous verse in Daniel 9.25. Since it does not apply to an end times antichrist. The foundation of the seven-year tribulation is invalid. You can read more about this by clicking on the 70-week of Daniel's study. Because the Jews, because of the Jews' abomination against God, he made them desolate. Because of all the Jews' abominations, including delivering Jesus up to be killed and killing his disciples, Jesus poured out his wrath on the Jews through the Roman army. The Roman army decimated the people and the city. Historians record that none of the wicked Jews who rejected Jesus, who slew the messengers he sent them, understood what was coming. Up to that very day, the capture of the temple by the Romans in 70 AD, they were deceived by false prophets and were uh, uh, fatuously, fatuously, they were fatuously looking for a miraculous intervention on the, their behalf. But abundant documentation reveals that before the destruction of Jerusalem, all the Christians inside the city were able to flee to the mountains found refuge. Not, not one Christian perished in the siege because they saw the sign of the sign that Jesus revealed to them. The Roman army surrendered the city, causing death. Excuse me. The army the Roman army surrounded the city, causing death by famine and disease. The Jewish uh Garneries Garneries that's G-R-A-N-A-R-I-E-S. And I'm going to say granaries and storehouses of food were destroyed and supply lines into the city were cut off. 
Under pressure of the famine, many Jews went out at night into the valleys in search of food. Hundreds of Jews were caught every day, tortured and crucified in sight of those on the wall of the city. The number became so great that there was not enough crosses for the victims, so several were often nailed on one cross. Jewish infighting led to hundreds of thousands of deaths. Murders by the zealots and Idomines, Idomines, I never can say that name right for the life of me. I do means that's I D U M E A N S. Led to hundreds of thousands of deaths, and all that occurred before the Roman army entered into the city. Josephus relates the case of one prominent man who, because of the great tribulation happening all around, and and in order to save his family from a worse fate. Killed his first, killed first his father and mother with the sword. They willingly submitting. Afterwards, his wife and children finally taking his own life. The Roman army killed hundreds of thousands of Jews by the sword. Before the Roman army invaded Jerusalem, Titus sent Josephus to speak to the Jews, offering them clemency and exhorting them to yield. Josephus made a most earnest plea to them not to resist the might of Rome, pointing out that God was no longer with them. But it was not, it was to no purpose. The Jews detested the Romans and they believed that they would be saved. Titus sought to preserve that beautiful temple, but the Roman soldiers were so enraged at the Jews that they pushed all the stones of the temple down and fulfilled God, uh, Jesus' words. Well, God, Jesus, why not? According to Josephus, the city was so upheaved and dug up that it was difficult to believe it had ever been inhabited. <clears throat> and apparently the soldiers were also trying to get all the gold. <laughs> I guess that was there and laid in the temple. A total of 1.1 million Jews died and 79,000 Jews were taken captive and sold as slaves. Some were put into bonds and sold to slavery in the Egyptian mines, thus fulfilling several prophecies that they should be sold into Egypt again, from which God had delivered them. The parable of the wedding feast foretold that Jesus would send an army to destroy the Jews in, in Jerusalem. In Matthew 22, 1-7 says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited into the wedding. And they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle are killed. And all things are ready. Come to the wedding. 
but they made light of it and went their ways. <clears throat> One to his own farm, another to his, his business. The rest seized the servants, treated them spitefully, killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up the city. Jesus' new covenant was offered to the house of Israel and the house of Judah, as promised in Jeremiah 31:31. But they rejected Jesus and had him crucified. Then they killed his disciples, as Jesus had foretold. God's vengeance for all of the righteous blood came upon this generation. Jesus had the Roman army destroy them and burned up Jerusalem. The destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans is a complete fulfillment of prophecy. These passages clearly reveal that the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet refers to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD by the armies of the Prince of Titus. Why then should we ignore the obvious historical fulfillment and expect a fulfillment in the future, for which there is no proof? So now every time you hear someone teach about the abomination of desolation, is by an end-time antichrist, you know that they are teaching wrong interpretation of the prophecy. To learn why the concept of the seven-year tribulation uh, the need need for a rebuilt temple and the antichrist who desecrates the temple, etc. are invalid, click on the seven-year the Daniel. Okay, folks, with that, I'm going to end this recording. I don't know if anybody was even listening because I didn't pay attention. Um, as usual, not. Uh, actually, it's quite sad. If you want to read this again, uh, how many of us are like the Jews of the past? Are we any better? Should we expect anything different? Do do we feel that we deserve anything different? Well, all I can say is thank you, David Nikeo from ChristianityBelief.org, End Times Deceptions. You've done some some good work, my friend. And uh, I don't know where else to go. So with that, uh, God bless everybody. And take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.